2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host Gregory Turner.
2: And I'm your co-host Brian J Henderson.
3: Man. Do we have a show tonight? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about uh, our guest just the other day, and I was looking at all of the achievements and all the things that she's doing in her life and all the things that she's done in her life, and I just sat back and I was like, wow. This is a woman that could probably just sit back and not do anything, but she's writing books, she's doing workshops and seminars, and she's traveling all over the place. And, man, you know, it, it just touched me to say, you know what? I can do more than what I'm doing. There's more to life, man, than what I'm really doing. Did Did you get that when you read all of her information?
2: You know, I was just like, wow, because, you know, after, and, you know, and I'm not going to say all the stuff that she's done, but, you know, after the show that she initially was on, you really didn't, hear a whole lot, but she seemed to have a whole lot going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: you know?
2: Every time you know,
3: every time I spoke with her husband, it, it was they were either in Orlando, they were in New York, and one time I made a mistake and said, Well Kevin, I'll call you back at nine o'clock my time. He was like, What do you mean? I'm in New York I said, Okay, we're on the same time. But I just <laughs> I, mean, I just lost track of where he was. And you know the show that she was on as a as a teenager It just seems that, Brian, does it seem to you that life is is standing still for her? Because she looked the same. She still looks as same. You know, it's funny. (laughs) uh,
2: When I looked at the picture, I'm like, she looks the same. (laughs) (laughs) And And I know she'll laugh about that. Yeah,
3: yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing, Brian, I was telling her right before the show came on, with the shows that are out there now, there's not a lot of fathers that will say, you know what, I want my daughter to be like this girl on this show. But back in the 70s and, and when the show was out, that's what fathers are pointing to now. This is, this is what a woman looks like. This is how a woman acts. And, you know, when she was on the show, she was just graceful and, and pretty. And just it just seemed like even when she made a bad decision, it seemed like she made a good decision. Did it seem that way?
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the thing that was just so out there about, you know, her character was that, you know, her character... Was sort of like the The, the soft but strong Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean the, Yeah You know and it was It was like the meek and humble But don't play with me
3: Yeah <laughs> You know
2: <laughs> And so You know and, and nowadays You don't really see that That type of You know And you know You know how my thing About what I say About strong black women But you don't see that strong You know Minded character anymore You don't have that That character that shows That humility and grace anymore you know it's sort of like that same character has to also you know have a love interest that they're sleeping with and they're not married you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, all that Mm
3: -hmm. listen you hear you hear (laughs) 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 but I'm not going to hold everybody up we're going to go ahead and introduce our special guest it's Bernadette Stennis she's Thelma on Good Times everybody know her I, I, I played around with how in the world can I introduce her and there's no other way because everybody knows her already. Bernadette, i Hi. Hi, how are you? Hi. how are you? We're all blessed to have you on the show. And I tell you what, a lot of people are listening tonight. And, you know, you're an author as well. Yes. Written, yes. The book you've written is Situations 101.
4: Right, Rel- Relationships, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly.
3: Wow. Wow. <laughs> How did you get to that? What what gave I mean, I, I know well, God gave you the idea but how did Yeah, you... God did
4: give me that idea. Yeah. Um, it was because, you know, I travel a lot and I meet a lot of people and I have been hearing relationships that are in trouble and, and doing badly and you know, just having people just having weird relationships these days and you know, um and it's not just one state or one type of a person, it's like all over. And and it's it's like the masses. And so, you know, it was like a, um, interesting to me that that was happening. And so I started taking note of that. And um, and when I would get to talk with people and, and then they would say some things and they would say something about their relationship or they would say something. And a lot of times they would talk about things, um, but not really the deep issue that was bothering them. And when you start talking and after a while you can kind of sense that you know it, and so in my book, I, I put down situations that people really don't – hello? Yes, we're here. We're here. That people really don't talk about every day, you know. Um, I wish I, I really wish that you had had a, a chance to read the book first or see the titles on there. Then we could kind of you, – you would know where I'm going. But I wrote 101 situations, um, and they're only like a page and a half long, so that, you know, you could just pick and choose what you want to read. And um, – I had responses to what I, uh, you know, the situation. So it's really like talking about um, the the person is like I wrote it in, in the form of a telephone conversation or something like that, where the person would talk to me and as a girlfriend, more on a girlfriend level than on a you know mother daughter level or a teacher level. It was more like um, it was more like um, you know girlfriend thing. So they were comfortable. And so, you know, they would talk about their main issues, you know, stuff that was bothering them. And some of them are very funny. Some of them are horror stories, you know. Some of them are very, very, you know, like, oh, my God, did that really happen to you? And then some of them are bizarre. But, you know, they're interesting. And these are all real situations.
2: Wow. Yes, yes. You know, know, some of the the people that we've talked to in the past about, you know, different relationships, you know, they say that doesn't really discuss those issues. And so, they, you know, when they run into them, you know, they find them hard to deal with, you know, using Scripture because they don't discuss it. Did you find that, when, you know, when you were talking to people?
4: Well, I found that, that um, when I were to go to the churches, uh, many pastors, they, they love the book and they understand life and they understand how you have to reach certain people, you know, so they, they accepted my book. Because my book has some strange language, you know, it has like, you know, street language in it and has a couple, you know, it's down, it's, it's a good book, like that. And it reaches a lot of people, you know, who are in church and who are not in church. But, the, you know, those who are in church, you know, they don't want to speak in a certain way, you know, I can understand that. But you have to give the story the way the story needs to be given. You, you see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. So a lot of them, a lot of them want me to change responses. Well, one did wanted me to change the response to, instead of me saying, if you're going to have sex, please use a condom. Well, they wanted me to say, don't have sex. Uh, I want you to be, what? what is that, uh, you know, um, abstinent. I want you to be abstinent. Don't have sex. But, see, that's not my voice right now. I wouldn't, see, when, when you're reaching people and they're so far on one side, sometimes you need to um, take a little time with them to get them to the other side. You know what I mean? So my book is kind of like a hand over or a bridge across. So it's going to tell somebody for the first step, if they're having sex and they're having unprotected sex, well, the first thing maybe sometimes you, you have to tell them is if you are having sex, use a condom. I mean, that's like the first step. You know what I mean? Not from having sex without a condom and just having random sex to abstinence. That's a hard jump sometimes for a lot of people. Not for all people, but for a lot of people.
3: Right, yes. Right. You
4: know, when so, you, you know, you got to guide them in and, and find out what's the issue. Why are they they're having being promiscuous or whatever? It could be self esteem issues.
3: Yes. You know, Brian and I we we go to places and we speak about abstinence and HIV/AIDS and awareness and all of that stuff. And it's it's kind of hard because when you go in and speak, there's only certain things that you could talk about. And one mm-hmm. thing is, you don't need to talk to them about having sex. But these children are already doing that. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's kind of hard. You, you're limited in in what you can really say, but you have to have a strategic um, strategy when you go in there to do that, do you think? Oh, absolutely.
4: But see, when I go in to do that, I don't go in to preach abstinence. I go in to preach, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, you're having sex. Oh, you're having oral sex. Oh, you're having this sex. Oh, and I deal with that with them. It's, it's nitty-gritty with me, you know. It's no crap. I mean, I'm, and, and a lot of them are very shy, and they don't want to let me know. Then they forget, you know, oh, yeah, well, we're talking to Thelma. But, you know, but when I get to the point with them and I start hitting them where, where it is, then they forget about that. Then they understand what I'm saying. They get very quiet. They may not voice their opinion. They start looking at each other from the side, you know. But I understand that I'm getting to them. I am talking to them. And I, and I know that they're hearing me. But, you know, a lot of young kids don't want to say what they're doing. But I don't care if they tell me or they don't tell me. I just pray that I'm able to touch them and they hear me. They don't have to admit to me. Yeah. You, know, I'm, you know, they don't have to ever tell me their business. They just have to know what I'm saying so that maybe it will carry on to the next issue in their life. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yes, yes, I do. And you know what? That type you know, of thing. You know, the kids these days, they, they, they respect your honesty when you're being open and straightforward with them.
4: Yeah, they really, they really
3: they, you know, they, that's what they want. They want you to be real. They want you to be raw with them.
4: Mm-hmm. They want you to be straight with them because you know, uh, these days um, kids are able to handle uh, that straight talk because they're, they're rough. They talk rougher. They communicate a little stronger. You know what I'm saying? So you can't really sugarcoat anything because they can feel it. Oh, that's corny. Or why don't you say what's real? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm the one that will. You know, I don't shy away from any of it. You come at me, I come back at you. I I can do that with them, and and they appreciate that. And then they may not say anything to me, but they'll give me that look of acceptance, of nodding, I understand you. And maybe one or two will email me later, or one or two may talk to me later, or say something about an issue. Like a girl will come up and say, you know, I'm having problems with my boyfriend. What's the problem? You know, well, you know, you know, he, he's gonna leave me. You know why? Well, because. Because what? You know what I mean? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not you know doing things that he wants me to do, da de, da You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying that's where the self esteem thing comes from. Yes. Because if they don't feel like uh, they they can do better, or they can or they don't feel good about themselves, and they they feel well, I have to do this and want to hold on to him. But I let them know if a boy is pushing you on, on something and and he's making you feel that way and you have to do certain things to be with him, that boy is not thinking about you. That boy is not really interested in your well-being. He's not interested in, in, in how you're feeling, okay? And that is not called love, right. okay? Because if someone loves you, they're concerned about you feeling very bad about something, and so I said, well, you know, and, 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 and that's the first step. So, you know, I, I deal with them. I talk with them. A lot of times they, they go along and do what they want to do anyway, but at least they know, they know that there is a person that, that they can communicate with. They understand that the end result is going to be actually what I told them it's going to be, you know. And, and after a while, some people are hard, hard-headed, and they believe that they are the only ones in the world that can change the rules. And so a lot of times they hear you, but they're going to do it their way anyway until they keep getting bumped down to the same position that they were last year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In their relationships. And then after a while they get bumped enough They start saying, you know, well, I guess, yeah, I guess it does work if I don't have sex with him so, so, so soon. I guess it does work. He will show me respect if I don't let him do certain things to me or if there are certain things that he's doing that I don't accept. Yes.
2: Yeah. Hmm. You know? If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Affirmative Solutions Hour, and our special guest tonight is Bernadette Stannis. If you want to have, uh, if you want to call in and ask her a question or you have a comment, you can reach us at seven one eight five zero eight ninety six hundred. That's seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. Bernadette, you know, I was listening to you, and and you know, it sounds a lot like you know, that the, that the situations, you know, that you're talking about with these children are not really that much different from what adults go through. Oh, yes.
4: Oh, yes, absolutely. Because um, kids today are engaging in a lifestyle that's very much like adults. And, um, you know, a lot of it is because they have to grow up faster. You know, they're exposed to a lot more. You know, and and it's, it's it's a whole different world. So if you're dealing with a, a generation that is exposed and are doing things, you have to bring to their attention, huh? Excuse me. You have to bring to their attention that you know you may be engaging in grown up behavior, but you're not really a grown up. And it is a difference between a teenage brain and a brain that's twenty five. Yes. Yeah. There's there's a big difference. And if you're engaging at 12, 13, 14, you're emotionally, truly emotionally, especially for women, emotionally not ready to deal with all the deep emotional feelings that go on in relationships on that deep, deep level.
3: Yes. You know, have you ever had a situation where women come to you and say, well, you know what, I'm in an abusive relationship and I just can't get out of it. Oh, yes, I had one girl
4: say that to me. Um, where was I? In Mississippi, actually. Um, she was a waitress, very beautiful girl. And um, she was very young, and she had had two children maybe, you know, a few years back. And she, she whispered in my ear, because I was showing her my book, and she whispered in my ear, she said, she wanted to buy the book, and she didn't have the money, and her eyes welled up with water. And she was like, you know, I, I wish I could buy it. And then I said, what's the matter? And she said, well, you know. I, I'm in a I'm in a bad relationship. I said, what, what do you mean that? He said, he beats me. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, do you know how to get out of that? And so we talked about how she should, you know, um, if she wanted to leave him, how, how do you do it? How would you do it? And I didn't tell her how to do it or she should do it. I said, if you want to. But I gave her the book. I ended up giving her that book because I felt she really needed that. You know what I'm saying? Yes.
1: But, yeah, they, they come at me with
4: all kind of, things, you know. Well, the abuse thing was bad because, you know, she really wanted to get out of that and she's really scared. That's why she opened up, because she's ready to leave. Usually they don't open up unless they really are ready to leave. Right. Well, mm-hmm. You
2: know, I I have a question about that, you know, because um, I know individuals who've been in, uh, in those abusive relationships, you know, and I've talked with them. You know, what, you know, what, and, and I guess the way I'm, I'm gonna try to ask this question the best way I can without offending anybody. Uh huh. What makes a woman wanna stay there and get punched in the face? Because to me, I would think the first time I got hit in the face, mm-hmm. beat up, or you know, knocked around, kicked around, I'm not staying there anymore. I'm out of there. Yeah. You know. Um.
4: Yeah, I know what you're saying. And it sounds, you know, like most people would say, say that, you know,
2: but a lot of times
4: people are in situations that they can't maybe get out of, like like money-wise, like children. They may be stuck. They, if, if, if they leave, then the man may say, you're not taking my kids, you know, so they'll have, to, they'll have to leave their children. And if he's abusive to her, you can imagine what he'd probably be abusive to the children too. So a lot of women will say, well, you know what, I'll take it till I get myself enough money or to get myself out where I can feel safe and get out, you know? Because this is a nut. This man will kill me and my kids and my mother and father, you know. So there, they, you know, it's a lot to it. Why people may do that,
1: yeah.
4: You know, and they probably stayed too long because the moment that she saw the abusive behavior or the attitude of abuse, she should have winged out of the relationship right there and then. Yeah.
3: Before it got too deep rooted. Yes, that's that's true. That's true. Okay. Bernadette, I want to ask you this about you uh, being uh, Thelma and then <laughs> <laughs> switching to the role of Bernadette. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought that, you know, that God, God blessed you with this, this wonderful gift of acting and your beauty and being on the show, that you ever thought that the tension that came with it was a little bit much the attention, you said. The attention, the attention that comes with it, with everybody thinking film was perfect on the outside, and people are holding you to that role of film. Well, you
4: know, um, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm writing some stuff about about that and growing up. But I, I used to be very well. I should say that um, I am a good girl, and, and I was a good girl when I was growing up. I was one of those that that did the right things. And I'm not bragging, but it's true because I had parents who wouldn't accept anything else. You know, it wasn't like I can I can slip around or lie or cheat or or do some some bad things because my parents were right there in the home. We lived in a small apartment, so it was like not like you can go in your own room and hide. So you had to be straight up, you know. And I was, you know, that's how I grew up. Don't so don't. It's more hassle doing wrong than it is doing right. So for me, it was better to do right.
3: Yes, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> so I, I was reading that you when you when you got the part of Thelma, you it was your first acting job, I believe.
4: My first professional acting job, yes.
3: And I know. You, I think at the time you were you were at Juilliard, the School of. Uh... Yeah, I was studying acting. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you were also a dancer, too, right? Oh, yeah,
4: absolutely.
3: And then, I, I danced on good
4: times a few times,
3: too. Yeah, I, I, we saw that. But what, what I was going to ask is, when you when you had this opportunity to act, was acting your first love or was dancing your first love?
4: Dancing.
3: Yeah, and that's what I want to know. When you when the part came up, you had to kind of give up Juilliard a little bit. Am I correct?
1: Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. So, the, so you were at a position where you had to make a big decision.
4: Yes, but I did get my degree. I went back and got it, so.
3: There you go. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I definitely did that.
3: Yes. I have a uh, MySpace question. Someone just emailed me. Her name is Amy. Mm-hmm. She, wanted, she wanted to know what pushed you when you wanted to give up.
4: Um, uh, I, 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 I was always determined that I was going to be uh, successful in something that I wanted to do. It was like if I wasn't going to be an acting. If it wasn't going to be Belma, it would have been psychology, the doctor. I was going to do something. That was just who I was inside, you know. Yeah. So it was it, it, something didn't work out for me. Then I always felt there was something else for me. And I think that that's why I I do so many different things. Like I I uh, I write, I write books, I write poetry, I paint in oil, you know. I do all these things that and I and I. I teach, I go to conferences, I teach because I always feel that if, if you're not doing something in one area or it's not working out, then you have other areas that you can fall back on or go to. You just have to sit back down and, and reinvent it or think about some of the passions that you have. And, and you know what? We have, all of us have so much that we like to do and so many things that we can do. But the but the trick and the art of it is doing it. So you have to accomplish it or it never gets done. You have to get there and do it. Or it will never get done. That's
2: true. Yeah. You know, after you did uh after you did Good Times we really didn't see you in a lot like a lot of movies or shows or anything like that. Do you feel that was because they that, you know, even back then, you know, after Good Times there still weren't a lot of roles for positive black women on TV?
4: Absolutely. And I, and I did get off this for a lot of different things, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know? It wasn't what I wanted to do. And plus my character was so positive, and, 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 I, and I, I gave the message of, of hope and determination. And, and although it was just a character, a lot of that character was me. So that's how I am. And that's how I am. So I wouldn't want to change and do this and do that and do something crazy, like totally out of character. So that was so. A lot of times when jobs came to me, I turned them down.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? A lot of times right now, I think that's what a lot of people are suffering with right now. Everybody's looking at the money. Everybody's looking instead of looking at the character of saying, you know what? I money will make me do this, or money will make me do that. And we have so many people right now that are being raised on watching BET. Being I know. Raised it. on watching a lot of other things, so MTV. it's all about money. Mhm. Yeah. It just seems like it's just all about money, and they'll just do anything for it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: And, you yeah. know, with your parents, it, it's just so important that that your parents taught you about character and taught you what it's like to be a woman or a lady and do the right things, and that's exactly what was uh, every, we were seeing on Good Times yes thank you and and that's not acting that can't I mean you can't act that good now. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: I'm a good actor, but you can't act that good. A lot of that has to be just you, yeah, a lot of it was me. Cause yeah.
4: that's kind of like how I was
3: you know, yeah, I was gonna yeah. ask, do you think God just just made that part? just open the doors for you to just walk in on that part i'm gonna be
4: honest with you, I definitely believe that. I believe that he made that for me because it was like. So many other people could have gotten that rule and and more experienced than I was, but that was, seemed like it was made for me. Mm. Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You're
2: listening yeah. to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Calling number is 718 508 9600. 718 508
1: 9600. And we're on with Bernadette Sannis. Bernadette,
2: Bernadette, you, you know. It's funny when you, when you were talking about how you know your character, so much of the character was you, because the first thing that popped in my head was art imitates life. Yeah. And you know, after good times, you I don't remember a show that was even remotely close to that type. You know, to that show that had a strong black family that stuck together, that you had a strong male role model, hardworking father. You yeah. had children that loved each other, even though y'all fussed and fighting, and, you know, <laughs> but it related, you know, it, it, it was so much of a relationship that, you know, that you all were together.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: You know, even through all the ups and downs, you were together. And I, what I believe is that once good times was off the air, Because I I truly believe they could have had good times on forever. Yeah, it could have gone a long time. They could have had good times with the children, with the grandkids, you know, better times, the best times, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But what I believe, I think it was, you know, and see, I, I I always think like this, so bear with me. But I believe it was a plot by the devil to discredit what good that show was doing. And so yep. if you noticed after that, you know the positive role models didn't get an opportunity to to go out there and do more positive shows because they didn't want to see you in a positive show,
1: yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. they didn't
2: want they wanted you know and and when you look at like entertainment now, mm-hmm. most of the black actresses that are out there, you know, and I'm not saying all of them, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of them that. They didn't get prominent roles until they showed some skin. Yeah, that's true. You know, or till they portrayed a you know, something in a negative light.
1: Yeah. You know?
2: And right. and I hate to call names, but I have to just I just remember one name in particular and she's one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: mm-hmm.
2: And that's Halle Berry. Wow. She did great roles, wonderful roles, mm-hmm. powerful, you know, roles. She did the negative role. She did the positive role. But it wasn't until she showed some skin that she got an Oscar. And that's just, you know. Wow, what is that
4: saying about America? You know, and, and,
2: <laughs> and in that same light, it wasn't until Denzel played a rogue cop that he got his Oscar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could have had he could any of the movies he did, he could have got an Oscar in. You know, and that's just a sad light. Like, that you know that they place on us that we have to act like you know we got to be the, the smiley face. We can't show positive roles and get Oscar.
4: Right. You know, we got to sing and dance, chuck and jive
2: before we'll be recognized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and I think it's not until now that people are starting to open up to the possibility that an actor with talent <laughs> doesn't yeah. have to necessarily show some skin to get an Oscar.
4: Exactly, you know? yes, 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 I know. You're right. Sure. So
2: I, I just applaud you because, you know, you it. didn't, you know, just like you said, you didn't decide, you know, that, oh, I'm just not going to do acting anymore. It was because you said, I'm not doing that. No,
4: that's right. That's right. No. I didn't
3: want to do the roles that were given to me. You, you Bernadette, you, you that we have a MySpace more. question. <laughs> <laughs> huh? that we have a MySpace question from John. Yes. The question is, does skin color have to do with females getting roles in Hollywood? I guess well, I
4: I would say that there are um, a lot of uh, females, first of all, that don't have the tick of the litter, and um, so black females have even less. Let's just put it that way.
1: Wow.
4: Yeah, it's not that it's not that much written, you know,
1: yeah. not
4: that much written for us, like. Um, it's always basically a stereotypical type of thing, but it's never like just stories.
3: Yes, yes. What do you, What do you have going right now with your seminars and your book signings? What What? Yeah, your... I'm doing that, um, and I'm I'm writing again. I have some more things I'm writing about. I saw that you write. What is it? Plays, I believe. Um, no, I I produce them. Yes, produce. I'm sorry. Yeah, produce. Mm-hmm. Produce some plays. Do, do you have one now that you're working on?
4: Well, I'm going to be doing one in. Um, in Houston this weekend called Love the Hurtaway. Away. It's not my play. I'm just in it. Oh. Yeah, they just have me in it.
3: It it's just seems Houston. like everything that you're doing is to help someone. It has to do with people. It has yeah. to do with pulling, you know, pulling people in, trying to educate them on how to do, you know, just have more, you know, to just live the life that God has created us to live for. That just seems to me now. That's just me, but that just it seems that you that's that's true. thing.
4: I like that. I like helping. I like um, whatever I can do to help something. I I like to do that, you know. And I think that was because deep inside I always wanted to be a psychologist. Wow. I always always thought the brain was a fascinating thing. I just always wanted to know how it worked and why people were like they were and what made them turn that way. Are people born that way? I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things that used to interest me that way. So.
3: And you've come in contact with so many different people from just traveling and doing your shows and seminars and book signing.
4: Yes, absolutely.
3: <laughs> I know you meet some interesting people. Very much so. <laughs>
4: very, very much so. There are a lot of people that are very similar. I found that to be true. Hmm. Lots of people are very similar. Even no matter in different states and everything and no matter what color, they're very similar. But then there are some characters
3: to stick way out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. why, why, do you, why do you think that is?
4: Well, it, 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 there's always um, one or two people that are going to go against the grain, and you never would think that they would do the things that they would do, and, and positive or, or negative, you know what I'm saying? Like there are some women that you, you know, maybe the head of something, and you would say, Gee, she's you know she really doesn't look like that type that would be there, but you know and but, you know and and even she may not even act like she should be there, but she's there. So how does that happen? So to me, things like that are interesting. Yeah.
3: Okay.
4: You know, how does she make it? How does she get that done? Or vice versa? You know, men, how they get certain positions and. You know, if they're you know, you wouldn't if you would look at the person you wouldn't think they're a doctor or you wouldn't think they're who they are. And then you'd look at me and you say, Well, I wonder how that brain works, how do they get there? You know, that's just yeah. how I do it. <laughs>
1: okay.
4: Yeah.
1: But so I mean I meet a lot
4: of interesting people and I talk out to them a lot, you know. So I mean I'm always helping, I'm always looking for an answer, I'm always looking for a solution, and I'm always trying to get the right answer, you know.
2: Bernadette, when you're out there and, and you're talking to people, you know, how much does faith play a role in, you know, the way that you talk, like when you go out and you do your seminars?
4: Yeah. You
2: know, how much well, of your faith plays a role in the way that you, you know, do your seminars?
4: Well, it's almost like 100% because, um, because I, I have a strong faith, very strong faith. So things that will come out will come out that way. I always ask them to, you know, pray about it, you know, God will give you an answer if you're sincere about your question, you know. And um, things like that, I always refer to God, you know. I always do it. That's awesome. And I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, um, finding answers when you have the faith. Yes, yes. You know, I, I
3: asked I asked a question. The Well, a little girl asked a question. She wanted to know, uh, about you ever wanted to give up, but what is it that just pushed you? I know you said your parents taught you well and they did wonderful things, but what gave you that drive? It just seems like you're driven. Yeah, I, I, am. What is I really it, am. What is it that's pushing you to just continue to do more, do more, do more? Well, I, I
4: always feel like um, you know life. You're only given a certain amount of time here, you know, and if you if you don't do Um, there are things in life that you can do and you don't do. You may miss your time. You may never be able to do it. You know, and and I always want to be the person that never regrets. You know, I don't want to say, oh, I should have when I could have. I want to be able to say I did what I could do when I could do it.
3: Wow.
2: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> That's very good. I like that. <laughs> you know, I want to, um, I want to focus in on some things you said earlier about, like when you're talking to youth. You know, do you ever find that when you're talking to those youth and they know who you are, do you feel like um, that they feel intimidated?
4: No, absolutely not. Um,
2: they really feel like.
4: You know, they can talk to me like I'm their sister or their their aunt or a friend, you know, and that's just how I make them feel because um, that's who I am to them, you know. That's who I want to be to them,
2: you know. Right. And uh, And the reason I ask you that is because, you know, Greg and I were talking um, and then he uh, met an individual who, you know, wanted to go and talk to kids, but he didn't really know how to. Mm-hmm. And so, my thing is, you know, you have, you know, you, you already know, you know, what you're going to say before you say it, right? You know, and, and when you're dealing with them, you have to be open and real to them, you know. And I think that's something that that that's missing in the church. Well, y- yes, it is. But when you're
4: talking to children or like teenagers, you know how when you have a little baby, a little kid, like about two or three, and um They'll tell you if you want to communicate with them, or you want them to understand what you're saying. A lot of times, you bend down low and you talk to them so that your eyes connected with theirs.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay, so that makes them feel less intimidated. That makes them feel like, we're you know, I can c- connect with you, and so they feel more comfortable.
1: Right. And so,
4: you, and so they're not afraid of you. So the same thing when it comes to dealing with teenagers or young adults. Um, A lot of times as adults, we've been there. We understand that. So they feel like you're way ahead of them. But when you sit down and you look at them and you say, you know, when I was your age, you know, I used to do this or I went this and I understand certain things. But now that I've lived and I understand the results of these things, you see what I'm trying to say? Then they can connect with you.
1: Right, right. Instead of
4: talking to them like you're the teacher, they're the kids, and you're the parent, no, and you're talking, right right you know, you shut it down. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, okay, you two generations away from me, you know. Hmm. But when you, when you come on their level and talk and understand and do not um, blame or, or insult right. or act as if you know all the answers, you know. But they don't want you to feel that you know all the answers, although you may, but they want to be able to say something to you and, and teach you something. They want to be able to do that. So you have to allow them to teach you something that you don't know. Maybe their lingo, their slang, you know, the way they communicate now. And you say, oh, wow, I'm, I'm learning something. See, they want to be able to exchange instead of be taught to or talked at, you know.
2: Yeah, they want to feel like they've been heard.
3: Yeah. One thing Brian and I do, we go out to a detention center every Tuesday and we talk to the To the kids, it's just boys, but uh, I think the age from 12 to 17 or 18, I believe. And one thing we've learned is these kids want to have a voice. They just want to be heard a lot of times. And when you have someone come in and do a lecture and don't let them talk, they lose that. They lose those kids within the first five seconds. Absolutely. The kids will cut them off, and and they don't understand how Brian and I can go in and sit down and talk with these guys. Most of the times when we go in there, we, we have scriptures or something that we want to talk about. The mm-hmm. kids will just take over. They'll take over the hour that we're there and tell us some of the things that they've went through in their lives. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, if, if you listen to some of the things that they're saying, it is just mind-blowing. We have one. Yes, we had one kid to tell us that he saw his parents killed, and he hid in the closet. Mm-hmm. This his kid was maybe 13 or 14 years old. Oh and, you, and you have someone that's coming in there uh, from the system that wants to talk with them and to try to figure out what's going on with them. Those kids, they cut them off. Yeah, they do. They cut them off immediately. And they're always they asking us, how, is, how can you guys do what we can't? Because you have concern for them
4: and, and you're genuine and those children feel that. Mm-hmm. Yes. They feel that.
3: Yes. And the same thing that that's going on when we go out to the local schools and we talk to the kids about the drugs and, and that type of thing, we give them a voice it, It's no secret. it's just you allow them to talk. They're human yes. beings that's right. you know let them talk and and you will you will get a lot more you'll learn you need to learn from them exactly because that's what you're there for. you're there to help them, but they're they're, they're teaching you some things about themselves. That's right. And that's Absolutely. just something that people are just ignoring and they're not paying any attention. And uh, I guess that goes up to my question. A lot of things that are going on in the church, a lot of things that need to be discussed in the church, can't be. There's certain things you, you can't ask sex questions in the church.
4: No. No, you can't. They, they don't really want, want that.
3: So do you do you think that's a big issue with a lot of the women or the kids that you talk to when you give your seminars?
4: Um. Well, they don't say that they can't talk in church. They don't really say that, you know. Um, But a lot of them probably just don't, you know. And and they just, you know, they know that you can pray about it and and, and God will hear you. We know that. But sometimes they need to open that whole discussion up because a lot of times people are, you know, they're holding things and they think that that nobody else is going through it. And they don't want to voice that. They don't want to say, well, you know, this is happening to me, da-da-da-da. So they keep it quiet and they stay confused with the answer, that that they never get an answer to their question, you know. And um, I just believe that the churches should um, uh, be a little more human um, in that um, a lot of times we know ultimately that they shouldn't have sex, that they should abstain and they should have abstinence and should wait until they're married. But you may get a few of them that may, may not do that. And you don't want to cast them to the side where they have no voice, they have nobody to go to in the church, so they have to run outside of the church. You know, because they made a mistake doesn't mean that they're a bad Christian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they just they just went on the side a little bit, and they will repent. And they probably feel very bad and very guilty about it. But you have to be able to embrace that and and heal them there to keep them in the church. Because what happens is if they make a mistake, then the church shuns them or looks down on them or calls them weak or, you know, they're they're backsliders. No, they're not necessarily that bad now, you know. But if you do that to a person that's in the church, then a lot of times what they do is they're shamed, they feel bad and guilty, and they leave.
2: Right.
4: So once they leave, it's a lot worse out there than it is in the church.
2: Right. So it's
4: certainly better to keep them in the church and work with them from there. But you've got to have somebody that will not make them feel guilty and, and, and sinful and hurtful, you know. So I know there, there's got to be that medium voice even in the church that knows how to talk to those who did slide or, or are, you know, not as whole as they should be yet or still babies in Christ, you know?
3: Yes, yes, I, I, I truly understand. What What do you think is going to change, uh, and I know you can't really speak for the church, but what do you think is, is going to have to happen that we're going to have to start talking about these things into the church?
4: Well, it, it, it goes from the top. You know, you have to have the type of um, pastor and first lady that understands what the, what you're trying to do. Because once they understand that, then they can open up a discussion. Um, You know, they can have a place for that. They can say, yeah, you know, we'd like to to have that in our church, you know, that open season, that open time to talk and to get into the children and not condemn them. And once they leave this place, everything's forgotten, their business is not out there. You know, so it has to be the type of pastor and first lady that will invite that type of thing into their church because if they are not in that direction, that that will never, ever work. That will never work. It won't work because they won't invite it in for one, and then if they do invite it in and they're against it, it's, it's just not good. So you have to go to the head and see if they understand where you're coming from and if they would allow you to have that in-the-middle voice, you know. And if they allow that, then you then you start moving in the right directions in that way. Yeah.
2: You're listening to the Abundance Solutions Hour. Our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And we have special guest, Bernadette Stannis, with us tonight. Bernadette, you know, I go out and I talk to um, a lot of youth groups about, you know, making healthy choices and, you know, I deal a lot with abstinence education and HIV prevention and whatnot. And what i notice noticed is that I actually have a lot of girls that will ask questions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and they'll ask questions like during the program and then afterwards the guys will ask the questions. Well, yeah. That's true. Uh, and I was going to say, do you get that a lot? Yeah, I do.
4: Yeah, the young men really don't. You know, they don't because, you know, especially it depends on what age they are. And if they're young teenagers, you know, 15, 16, something like that, 17, they a lot of times uh, they're, they're in that awkward stage anyway of finding their way and finding their balance and being cool and, and liking the girls and the girls liking them and they don't want to mess up, you know, so they they're very quiet. You know, and if something is really bothering them, then they will come to you later. Yes. But I understand that because you know they're at that cool stage and they don't want to ask corny questions or get embarrassed. Right, right. You know, we, so that's we, basically what
3: it is. We spoke at a, we spoke to a group of kids once, and we found out. Well, it was later that we found out that uh, the kid had been a couple of the boys had been molested. <clears throat> and to you know, you're saying that they won't talk. They will no, not they don't want talk about that. No. And, they you know, they have this rage, and you're trying to understand why does this kid have this rage in him. You know, it, it's it's something, it's so hard to reach him at that point when something like that has happened. Well, you know
4: what, I, I do a lot of times once I see something like that, a lot of times I would just address it in a, in a um, like a nebulous way, like like um abstract way, like I would just talk. And I would say, you know, because sometimes in life things happen to us that cause us to have anger, to have hate, to have misguided emotions, and, you know, it goes back to a lot of different things that can happen. You know, some people, you know, are, were beaten when they were little. Some people were molested when they were little, and some people were, you know, so you're talking to them, but you're not really pointing anything out, and you, you know, because you really don't know, but you're kind of giving them something that if that was them, if that was that person... They can hear you a little bit. Oh wow! Being safe because nobody knows it's them, you know. And it's like you know, and you and you talk to them in that way, and you say you know, and 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 then you say, mind you, molestation happens with boys and girls. I mean, it doesn't necessarily happen. Because you know you're a little girl and a little boy and a man a it. no, you're a little girl, and a woman can do it yeah. uh you're a little boy, and a man can do it, not just your little boy and a woman can do it, you know what i'm saying you so you let them, you give them all those different scenarios that could have or may have happened.
3: you know what we had we had a couple of ladies called in and they said that they were molested by a woman when they were when they were kids, yeah, and one thing that I've learned that uh, that's something that's so hard for them to do is to forgive. And I think that that forgiving is a very important tool as far as a person being freed from the thing from the bondage that they're they're fighting and and they're struggling with yeah it's just it's how do you get a person to forgive someone that did that to them so long ago, and it was something that was so cruel, you know that person is hardening themselves, and now they're saying, "You know, I'm not forgiving this person, they hurt me. I didn't do anything to this person."
4: Right, 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 well, you know it, it it's a hard thing when they't when they don 't forgive, but um before you could probably get to that forgiveness stage, a lot of times you have to go into the problem, you have to go into the hurt, you have to go into the pain and the anger and the and the the, the, the stuff that, that that's inside of you, like um nobody saw what that person was doing to me didn 't anybody recognize it? did anybody care? Um The lies that the adult told that child to keep that child quiet, you know um these these are things that need to be out, need to be addressed um um once the person understands that that what had what what did happen to them and they're out of it, um how they can help so many more people who may be going through this, but their voice is quiet and silent, and they're confused, so that person should know that. They take what has happened and turn it into good, and it's it's okay to say you dislike that person that did this to you. You know, I don't like that person, but I love God, so I will give on that level. You know, it's okay. You know, you, you see, you can't run up to that person and kiss that person, hug that person if you if you have that kind of hurt and hate inside. You have to work through it. You know, and people have to work through it. You can't just keep icing it over. Pushing it down and talk about forgiveness—that's not going to happen.
2: That's true. Right, right. You have to confront it.
4: You got to deal with you it. Head on. You got to. You have to. It's like cleaning the house. If something dead, has in there, and you keep putting cologne on top. That's a horrible
1: smell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs)
2: Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) That's the gross thing there. (laughs) But you're absolutely right. You know, um, I mean, we've had some some of our listeners and, you know, some uh, previous callers that have called in and talked about how they've dealt with the issue of homosexuality. And, Mm -hmm. you know, many of them talked about being molested when they were young. Yeah, most
0: of them
4: have. Yeah. Something definitely has happened to a lot of them that has that turned that way.
2: You know, and you know, you had even some that said, "Well, it was something that I saw going on." Mhm. And so, you know, when I when I talk to them about it, you know, and ask them certain questions, you know, a lot of times they'll get to a point where they feel like they're being challenged. You know, mm. you get that when you're talking to people that they feel like they they, they sort of begin to shut down when they feel like you're challenging them
4: yes uh-huh yes i have had that
2: i have had that and
4: then i and i and then i shut it down a little bit and leave them and let them come back you know i i don't i don't step over that line because at that point it's like a cement wall anyway so right. you know if you want to keep keep it cordial and and keep a friend then you have to know when to stop you have to know when to back off you know Right. Until they're ready to digest the rest of it, or something. Cause some people can, and some people can't at that time.
2: Yeah, and and I believe that's just that's with anything, you know. I've had situations yeah. where, you know, when you're trying to help somebody, or you're you know you're making an attempt to you know correct them, and they shut they shut down on you, or they oh, yeah. they blast out at you. Oh yeah,
4: absolutely, you absolutely. Know, and,
2: you know, in my you know, and in in my own experience, you know, I've just would say, Okay You know, I'm here when you're ready to talk you know, or okay, I see where this is going, let me shut it down.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. and,
2: you know, yeah. and it's it's important that you that you when you when you see that happening, that you don't take it personal.
4: No, you can't take it personal. No no no, absolutely not because you know that person has a lot of work to do and they're not about to see the work. Then they're, they're never gonna get to it. They're like miles away, they don't want to see it and you know, they're in denial. You know, when a person's in denial, they're not ready, so, you know, it may take years before they wake up or accept it or decide to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, therefore, you, you can only do what you, what you can do, you know.
3: Wow. I have a MySpace question. I'm getting slammed with the MySpace question. I'm trying to pick through them, and I think, uh, I don't know why people are intimidated. By 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 calling, but I am getting slammed, and it's a funny question. And uh, the young lady wants me to ask you this on the show: Did you ever get the oatmeal right? The red oatmeal?
1: <laughs>
3: Absolutely not.
4: Thelma was the worst cook in the universe. That was one bad thing about her.
3: <laughs> she couldn't even boil water. But she never stopped trying though, she never stopped trying, no, no she never did. but 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 it when you're at home, I'm sure you're a great cook, right yes, I'm okay, okay okay, I <laughs> know I'm not the greatest, but I'm not the worst hey. okay. do you do you stay in touch with the uh, people from the show the other uh, your other cast members on the show? Yes, I do, that's good, that's good we we were looking at we were talking about James just the other day and <laughs> he was rough. Yeah, he was strong, he was, huh? He was, ooh, he was strong. He, Look, he was my <laughs> daddy. I, I don't yes, think, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I don't yes, think yes. too many people can deal with him today, you know, and and he was so strong, and at times, a lot of times, he was trying to do it in his own way, but I, I think with, with, with Florida, he, she would tell him, and she would come with a smoother, gentle way than the way that he would do it. Oh yeah, oh
4: yeah. Like the he was a strong daddy, and then the mother was smooth it over a little bit and reason with him, and you know, say change. You know, don't yes. do it that. You know, that kind of thing. But see, that's so that's a good balance. It was a beautiful balance It showed a lot of balance. You know, it yes. wasn't two parents that were hard where the kids can't talk to either one of them, or the parents are too soft that the kids are running over both of them. You know.
3: Yes, and you know what? You don't see shows like that on television anymore.
4: No, you don't. You, you, you really see, don't. I, I people tell me that all the time. They said you just don't see that.
3: You see, you know, single parents raising on the shows now. You see that divorce parents, yeah, in, in yeah. In the, you just see yeah. that kind of thing. And so, what happened to the to the parents
4: that are still together out there? Out there, you know. Yes.
2: Yeah. They don't. They don't show it. You know. So you know, I'm, time... I'm actually reminded of one show that I think came close. The good times, you know. Different setting, but same strong family unit, and that was the mm-hmm. Cosby Show. Yeah, that's true. But the Cosby yeah. Show still couldn't touch Good Times. I'm nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah,
3: nah. Mm-hmm. I right, thank you. We were getting emails from people. Okay, now don't don't mess this up. Now this 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 is this is national <laughs> anthem of, of sitcoms. Good, good times. Nice. You can't mess this up. So we're trying to do everything we we can yeah. not to do that. <laughs> but I have another question. I'm sorry mm-hmm. uh, question it in, in when you were at Juilliard, did you mm-hmm. perform uh dances while you were acting like what in in New York Oh, did I
4: perform at the school
3: yes yeah uh-huh okay that yeah. that, was, that, was one of, that was one of it the was the, more
4: more teaching you know they taught us a lot. It was a lot of you know studying
3: mm-hmm. oh okay. But I, I think people, uh, they saw you on television, and, and everybody knew that you could do a lot of things. But I think people are just amazed that you're writing, uh, doing all of these things. And, and like I said, you really don't have to do what you're doing, but you're doing things to help people. You're having fun. And that's what happens when you make quality choices and right decisions, would you say?
4: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
3: yeah. 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 Well, it's,
4: it's more or less. Um, it's not the popular choices because the popular choices, you know, a lot of times, you know, it leads you in, the, in another direction. But it's the choice that you know for the long term that will benefit you. That's that's really what we have to focus on. You know, sometimes choices that we know we have to do that are going to benefit us for a long period of time, and you know,
3: are better for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We have a caller from the 317 area code. Caller, are you there?
0: Yes, I'm here.
3: Yay, how are you?
0: All right, it's Nikki again. Oh, hey, Nikki, how you doing? We have Bernadette on the call. I got on, uh, got on late today. I almost forgot. That's
3: okay, that's okay. We have Bernadette on the call.
0: Hello, how are you? Fine, how are you? All right, Um, I just want to uh, thank you for being on here, and I thank you for uh your presence here tonight, and then also I just wanted to say I was I'm a big fan. I still watch a Good Times every night.
4: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much.
0: Oh, no problem. And um, uh, I just want to uh, thank you also for joining because uh, you join the People of Purpose Network. Yes. And yes, yeah, so I'm Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> All right, And I just want to thank you I just wanted to thank you for joining That really meant a lot to me Because like most people who are You know, be on TV things for the Lord Don't, you know, really do those type of things Right you know, As far as getting on networks And doing things that other people do And I thank you for just being humble In thank your walk you. And that you don't, you know Act like everyone else act That's been there You know, the actor and actresses is you know so high up, but you humble yourself. So thank I just, uh, appreciate you, and I appreciate your presence on the People Network. And that's all I had to say. Oh,
3: thank you, Betty. Thank you so much. No problem. Bernadette, you're still mentoring. Yeah. <laughs> people, yeah. People, people love you no matter what. Sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> if you just joined us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and our guest tonight is Ms. Bernadette Dennis from good times, Thelma, and mm-hmm. she said that she has the cooking thing down now, so it's <laughs> <laughs> a little better anyway.
2: <laughs>
3: yes, Brian, are you there, Brian?
2: Yes, I'm here. Did you have another
3: question for Miss Brenda?
2: Um, there tell us some of the things that you're doing. You know, some of the things that you have coming up. I know you talked about being in the play, but what are some of the other things that you have?
4: Well, you know, I'm I'm going to be writing another book soon. Well, it'll probably be out in a year, but um, uh. Just, just traveling and doing seminars and talking to children, doing, doing schools and things like that, and and just communicating. That's basically what I'm doing right now. Um, I also am looking at some work for television.
2: I was about, to, about to ask you.
3: Yes, I am. Now, how if if people wanted to buy your book, where can they get it from?
4: Oh, they can get it at my website. It's ThelmaofGoodTimes.com. I made it simple, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, you did. Yes and, then,
4: and then, of course, you can go to my MySpace, and it's Thelma of, well, it's how you do that, MySpace.com backslash Thelma of Good Times, and um, become my friend.
3: Because
4: I, I need a lot more friends.
3: <laughs> yes, ma'am. I don't think you have a problem with that. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, uh, you know, we 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 thank you for coming on. We appreciate, you know, you being humble. Thank you. You know, and it's it's always fun to to meet somebody famous, you know. So
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, and you know, again, we we thank God for you because
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's it's not easy to go out there and do what you're doing. You know, you really have to have a heart, you know, to do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, you know, we like I said, we thank you, we appreciate you coming on, and we'll definitely have to have you come back.
1: <laughs> okay. Like, you
2: have another, um, uh, a I guess I call this a mini book. It's a book of poems. You know. Yes. I, I went on For men book, only. Like, wow. For men only. For men yes. only. Poetry. Uh huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But that that yeah. we
3: thank you again. We thank you. We can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you. We know that you, the things that you do, you do it from your heart. It's not something that that we can look at and say, "Well, maybe she's just doing this for the money." No, we can. People see it, and they know thank that you're you. doing it from your heart. And a lot of, I mean, the prayers are going up for you, all over the place, more than you know. People are praying for you. People I appreciate that. Yes, yes, and uh, we just want you to continue doing what you're doing and continue being who God created you to be. And that's that's the beautiful thing about us sitting back and watching and seeing what you're doing. Okay. We thank you so much, okay? You're welcome. All right.
2: With well, that okay. being said, you were listening to the Abundant Solution Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. We thank you all for listening, and we hope you listen in on Wednesday night. We have another exciting show for you. Thank you again, and God bless. God bless. <laughs>